Praise God. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Pastor Mike here. Why don't you just join us in prayer? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord God, we thank you so much for this day that you have made, O Lord, and we shall rejoice and be also glad in it, O Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father God, for this time to spend with you, Lord, and I pray that Holy Spirit will minister to every single listener that is out there, O Lord God. Heavenly Father, you know what's going on in the lives of all of those listening, O Lord, so I pray that you'll speak to them in your own special way, O Lord God. Open their eyes that they may see, open their ears that they may hear, and open their hearts that they may understand, O Lord God. We praise you, Lord God, and magnify thy most glorious name. And Heavenly Father, I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O Lord God. Take it where you will for your honor and your glory and your praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. Praise God again. Welcome to Genesis 1. Join, glad you could join us. I want to talk about dominion today. Okay, and uh, the word dominion, uh, I'm sure you've heard it before and especially used in the context of scripture and so forth. But what does dominion mean? Okay, what does dominion mean? And dominion means it, it's the right to govern uh, or rule or to determine, you know, the outcomes of something. Uh, it means to have the ability to wield force, authority, or influence, dominion. Many times in our lives, we don't feel that we have the ability to have dominion over what's going on in our lives. You say, well, Pastor Mike, that's a great word, and I understand what it means. I know what it means in the dictionary and so forth, but I don't have that dominion over my life. Well, I want you to know today, okay, I want you to know today that it is God's will for us to be victorious. It's God's will for us to have dominion, quote-unquote, over certain aspects of our lives. Now, of course, in order for us to do that, that involves choice. We have to make choices in this life. If you want to have dominion and you want to be victorious, you just can't lay back and then just hope that it's just going to happen. There are times that we must participate. There are times that we must actively pursue doing what the Word of God tells us to do. So sometimes we just don't feel like we have dominion over what's going on in our life. Well, today I want to talk about dominion from God's perspective and what, and what God's divine intention was and is for you and for me. What was the, the divine intention that was going through God's mind when he even started creation? It is God's, God's will that we should have dominion that's going on in our lives and over the things in the earth, under the earth, and over, and over the things that are around, him, around us, the things that impact us. The same plan that God had in creation, it still exists today, and it is still part of God's plan. Nothing has changed. The Word of God says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So what he intended to do eons ago when he created, okay, it has not changed in his mind. God's will is for us to be victorious and for us to have dominion. However, in the carrying out of our day-to-day -day lives, we seem to forget that God's will will be done. You know, make no mistake about it. God's will will be done in our lives if we simply give our lives over to him. Okay. Now, sometimes by our actions and the things that we do or things that we don't do, it may delay or drag out God's will for our lives or God's plan for our lives, but his will ultimately will indeed be done, okay? The results will be his results. So we have to make sure that we are following in line with what God wants us to do. But rest assured and know today that God's will is for you to be uh, victorious and for you to have dominion over aspects of your life. And in order for us to fully grasp this concept, we must understand what God's divine intention was and is, as I said before, and try to go to, to go uh, by the way that God wants us to go, right? And of course, in order for us to do that, we have to always go to the Word of God. 
So right at the onset here, if you go to Genesis 1 verse 26, but I'm going to say, say for a minute here, you know, it, hit pause if you can and go and get your Bible, get a pencil, a piece of paper, a highlighter, a marker or something like that and mark up your Bible and take some notes because I'm telling you, when you highlight your Bible and take notes and things, these things will come back to benefit you later on in life as different things arise and Holy Spirit will trigger in your memory these things that we've discussed and where you have highlighted and made marks in your Bible. Amen. So go get that Bible and come on back and join us. Praise God. But Genesis 1, uh, Genesis 1 verse 26 here, Genesis 1 verse 26 and it starts off by saying, And God said, God said, Let us make man in our image. After our likeness, let them have dominion. Underline the word dominion. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Okay? Underline also here in verse 26 where it says, Let us make man in our image. Underline our, underline our image our image, okay? Verse 27. So God created man in his own image. Underline that again. His own image. In the image of God created him male and female. Created he them. I don't want to get off into a whole different sermon here, but here it says male and female. Two sexes. Doesn't doesn't talk about a multitude of sexes or, or a, a, a pantheon, a spectrum of sexes. Two sexes. Created them male and female. Created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. There's that word dominion again over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed of a, of a tree yielding seed to you. It shall be for me. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning, and the morning were the sixth day. Okay? So here we're talking about dominion here. Okay? And it says here that God created us in his image. All right? Now, his image, this is a sermon all unto itself, so I won't get into too much detail, but we are made in God's image. Okay, and this is something that you really need to grasp because if you really understand this, it will it, it will decrease it will it will lessen uh, the, the interest in, in 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 prejudices. Okay, and 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 thinking that 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 one race or one people or one color of skin or whatever is inferior and all these other things. Okay, we were made in God's image. So if you believe in God and you know that God is spirit. Okay, now stay with me here now. Okay, if you believe in God and you and you know that God is spirit. And the Bible, his word, God says here that he made us in his image. That's God is a spirit. So if his image is spirit, then I say to you, what color is a spirit? Okay, A spirit is colorless. A spirit is not black. A spirit is not white. A spirit is not African-American. A spirit is not, is not uh, white. It's not, not Jewish. I mean, it's, it's not uh, Native American. It's, uh, in his image, God is a spirit being. So God as a spirit is colorless. So if we are made in his image, now stay with me here. If we are made in his, that means that the true us is spirit, okay? The true us is spirit. What you see on your screen, or if you look down at your hands or look at someone, if there's someone sitting next to you, what you see is the tabernacle, if you will, or the body in which the spirit of that person lives. But the true person is indeed a spirit. 
This is why when we shed these tabernacles, as scripture says, and we go on to be with the Lord, it's not that physical body that we have right now. Okay, the word talks about a transformed body and so on like that. But really, the image that God that, that, that God made us in is a spirit being. So you are a spirit being. So if you are a spirit being, that means that you are colorless. This is why I don't have issues. And after I became born again, I don't have issues with, with, with anyone based on skin color or nationality, race. Or, because to me, that is so immaterial. The true essence of a person is indeed the spirit because that spirit is made in God's image. Okay. Now, again, like I said, that's a sermon into itself, so I won't go into too much detail. But it says here, though, that we were made in his image after, after uh, his likeness and that we should have dominion over the earth. All right. Now, that was God's divine intention. We see that if we continue in Genesis 2, uh, verse number 7, Genesis 2, verse number 7, if we continue, and it says, uh, and the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a, a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground man made the Lord God to grow. I'm sorry, out of the ground, sorry, out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life, also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, okay? Now, many times we always think, when we think about the garden of Eden, we, we, we are quick to remember the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but there were two trees there, okay? There's also the tree of life, all right? So now we see here, God, God created us in his image, and now he placed man in this garden, and now he's giving man instructions for his life. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted, and became into four heads. The name of the first is Pison, that is which encompassed the whole land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold of that land is good. There is Bedelium, and the onyx stone. And the name of the second river is Gihon, the same as that encompassed the whole land of Ethiopia. And the name of the third river is Hittichel, which is, which is it which goeth toward the east of Assyria, and the fourth river is Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Okay? Lord God took the man, put him into the garden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat. For in that day thou shalt eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. All right? From the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Okay, so highlight or, or, or underline all of uh, brass, uh, br verses 16 and 17. Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat it. For in the day that thou eatest, therefore thou shalt surely die. Now, this was explicit instructions, explicit direction. This is what you should do in your life. Okay. God also gives us specific instructions and direction, telling us what we need to do, what we should be doing. And we need to make sure that we follow. And we know the story. I'm not going to go through the whole thing yet, but I'm going to do a few more verses. And you see then in verse number 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, to the fowl of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helpmeet for him. And the Lord God caused 
And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. He took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof. And the rib which the Lord God taken from man made he a woman and brought her into the man, unto the man. Okay? So the main points I want to see here is that you see here is that God gave him dominion. Okay? And he also told Adam to name the beasts of the field. To name them. Okay. This was giving him dominion. It was Adam's choice. It was Adam's choice to, to say, I'm going to take dominion of these creatures and I'm going to name them. Okay? Now, that was God's divine intention, to give man total control over his environment, to relinquish that, well, not, not, not relinquish, because God wasn't giving up, up his, his dominion, but he was saying, man, this is what I want you to be able to control. I'm putting you into this garden for you to keep. This is your land, so to speak, okay? Uh, you have a house, you, you, you have a home that you live in, and you have some property there, and, and it's your responsibility to keep it. To, to keep the grass trimmed, to keep the bushes uh, trimmed and so on like that. You know, and, and so this is your responsibility. God was saying to Adam, this is your responsibility, okay? I have one caveat, though. That tree, do not eat of it, because if you do, you shall indeed surely die. Man's dominion and God's order to subdue meant that man began with a mind that was perfect in its finite capacity for learning, Okay? Man's mind then was perfect in its finite capacity for learning. However, he was not created knowing all the secrets of the universe. Okay? Man was created, had the ability to learn, had the ability to be creative in, in, in his thought process and doing things, but he did not have all of the knowledge of the universe. That would be infinite knowledge, which is God. Okay? So he was not created knowing all the secrets of the universe. Man is commanded to subdue, that is to acquire knowledge and mastery of his physical environment for benefit of the human race. This is happening, but spiritual knowledge was, has hindered and was hindered by sin, separation from God. And that's happening today too. Man is forever increasing his knowledge, but it's being hindered and limited in, because, of the, because of the fact that, that, that there's so much sin that is now in the world. Man is being governed by a lot of sinful activities and sinful thoughts. All right? So his ability, his ability, his ability to continue to achieve in a godly way is greatly hindered. Now, as we know, science is making wondrous advances. I mean, look at computers. I mean, gee, is that, you know, your cell phone. I mean, how many versions of your cell phone have you particularly had? Every year, there's a new version of, of your cell phone, an improvement. And it's getting more and more mind-boggling what these cell phones and our tablets can do these days, all right? But that's man increasing knowledge as far as maybe the scientists are concerned. But because of the sin nature nature that is in man and because of the fact that that uh, um, that, that we, we, are, we are in moral and spiritual decay in this country and other places of the world, we will never get to where God really wants us to be unless we change our direction and start following after him, okay? All right? So man was commanded to subdue, and that means to acquire knowledge and mastery of his physical environment. But sin came in and interrupted that. And we see that if we go to Genesis 3, uh, Genesis 3, verse 1, 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea. Has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? See, now here he is challenging her. Okay, right? Adam would have told her she knew what was supposed to, uh, what, what they were supposed to do and not do and not eat, not eat of that tree. All right? But now 
the devil is planting doubt. See? And this is what he does to us as human beings. We may know God's word. We may have just been to church and heard a scripture that really triggered something in our spirit, that it really was, a, was a, a reminder of something we need to do or something we need to stop doing. We heard a scripture that really resonated in our spirits, but then the devil will whisper in your ear, is that really true? Did God really mean that? Is, what God, is that what God intended for you? So his effort there is to start planting that doubt, okay? To start becoming suspicious of God. What is God's motive by saying that to me? Why did that scripture, why did that part of this message, why did that part of the sermon so resonate with me? The devil starts planting doubt and all sorts of, all sorts of other uh, insidious thoughts that are in your mind, okay? He said to her, yea, has God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, unless you die. All right? Unless you die. And then it goes on, she goes, for God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, no good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, underline that please, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Okay. So God's divine intention for Adam and then Eve was to live this wonderful life with everything there for them. They had the ability back then to communicate with God, to walk and talk with God. God had one criteria, don't eat of that, 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 that tree. But then the devil came in and planted doubt. And you know the story from there, okay? This was the fall of mankind. So when we have in our lives, we have things that are going on, and God has given you dominion over aspects of your life. And he's given you certain criteria to follow. There may be one specific something even that you're praying for, and God is saying, yes, I'm giving that to you, but this is what I want you to do. I'm go you're going to achieve that. You're going to overcome. You're going to be victorious, but this is what I want you to do, and don't do this. God wants to give you dominion or for you to be victorious over that situation, but if you disobey what he wants you to do, there are consequences, okay? But God's divine intention was and still is for you to be victorious. The only way that God could continue his plan here after Adam and Eve sinned, and you know they were expelled from the garden and so on, was that he needed to bring his, God needed to make sure his divine intention was indeed going to play out. The only way that was going to happen was to bring someone into the world that would not sin and had the ability to redeem mankind. This, of course, as we know, was done through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole crucifixion, but I want to look at one significant event of the crucifixion. Let's go to Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse 45. Matthew 27, verse 45. Okay. What I'm trying to show to you here is that God's divine intention Okay, 
I won't say that it was stopped, but it was interrupted, if you will, for a short period of time. And this is where, I won't say short, it wasn't really a short period of time, but for a period of time, okay? God's divine intention was for Adam and Eve to just live in this utopia, this Garden of Eden, okay? With, with, with dominion over their environment and so forth, okay? And then they sinned. And then the curse was put upon us. So God wanted to continue that divine intention because his divine intention hadn't changed. But now God was going to do it through another method, another mediary. Okay? And he was, that was through Jesus Christ. So now we see that when we go to Matthew 27. Again, I'm not going to go through all crucifixion, but just there's one specific event here. Uh, 27 verse 45. Now from the sixth hour... There was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. This is when Jesus, Jesus was on the cross. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, what was happening at this point to understand is that if you go to John 1, 1, it says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This means that Jesus is the word. Jesus was with God. Jesus was with God from, from all, all of eternity. There's no beginning point for when he was with God. He just always was with God. So that means he was always with his father. God cannot look upon sin. The word of God says that, says that very clearly. God cannot look at, look at sin. He, he, he cannot entertain sin. So at this particular point when Jesus was on the cross, the purpose of Jesus being on the cross was to be the final, the final sacrifice. He was taking on the sin of all mankind on him. And at that point in time, when Jesus was crying out, my father, my father, why, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was bearing the sin of mankind. God could not look at Jesus because he was sin. He was bearing all of this sin. So in essence, God turned his back on Jesus, if you will. Now, Jesus had always been with the Father. They were always obviously close and so on like that. But at this particular point in time, God had to turn away from him. So Jesus felt the fact that his loving Father had turned away or had forsaken me. And so he cried out to him, why have you forsaken me? Some of them, in verse 47, some of them that stood there when they heard it said, this man calls for Elias. And straightway, one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed uh, and put it on a reed, and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Underline that word, please, yielded, because yielded means that he gave up the ghost. Jesus willingly gave his life. No man could kill him. At any point in time, from the time of his arrest or through his ministry, at the, the time he was arrested and taken to the crowd, at any time, because he even said that he could call down a legion of angels to set him free. But he didn't, because this was his assignment, if you will. Remember in the Garden at Gethsemane there, when he was praying to the Father, he said, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, you know, however, not according to my will, but your will be done. In other words, Father, if there's any way for me not to have to do this job, for me not to have to go through this task, you know, Jesus knew he was going to be hung on that cross. He knew at some point the Father would have to turn his back on him and when he was taking on the sins of mankind. So he was saying, Father, is there any other way to do it? Can I you know, possibly do it some other way? But then he said, but not my will, your will be done. Okay. So Jesus willingly gave himself for man. And he willingly gave up the ghost. All right. Then in 51, it says, and behold, the veil of the temple 
The veil of the temple, the veil of the temple was rent in twain. In other words, it was torn in two from the top to the bottom and the earth did quake and the rocks rent and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now, when the centurion, when they were with him watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. Truly, this was the Son of God, okay? Now, the key point that I said, yeah, I'm not, I didn't go through the whole crucifixion and, and so on like that, but the point I want to point out here, because we're talking about now God's divine intention for you to have dominion. Man had dominion, and then through the sin of Adam and Eve, okay, the curse came about. God was going to restore, put things back on track, and the only way to do that was through Jesus Christ. So with Jesus' death here on the cross, when he yielded up the ghost, and then in verse 51 it says, the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. In the temple, there were three compartments. There was the three sections. There was the outer court, the inner court, and then the holy of holies. Okay, The holy of holies was the innermost part of the temple, and it was really the sacred part of the temple. And there was a heavy curtain, a veil, that separated the holy of holies from the inner court. The only one that could go through that veil was the priest, the high priest. And he had to, he did that once a year. And it was, it was a very somber activity that he did that. As a matter of fact, we read scripture, you see that, that, that the Holy of Holies was such a powerful place to be that they tied a rope around his ankle when he went through so that if for some reason he was to drop dead, they could pull the body back out again. So the Holy of Holies was a very, very holy place. And it was divided, separated by this heavy veil, this heavy curtain. At the point that Jesus gave up the ghost, that veil, the heavy curtain was torn in two. Now, what did that mean? When that veil was torn in two, it signified that now man had access to God the Father through the death of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me. Man had now direct access to God the Father. Man did not need a high priest to go into the Holy of Holies to plead his case, so to speak. But what Jesus had there done, it, 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 was, it was completed. Now man, through Jesus Christ, man now has the ability to have direct access to God. This is the beginning of his restoration of that dominion that he had intended, that he still does intend for us to have. Okay? That temple that was torn in two, no longer was man separated from God. Dominion was about to be reestablished because of Jesus' victory. So now, praise God, if we go to, to Luke 24, Luke 24, verse 36. There's verse 36. Okay. We see in verse 36 it says, And as they spoke, as they thus spoke, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be, now obviously this is after the resurrection, and, and peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, why are you troubled? Why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. 
And while they uh, and, and while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have you here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. Underline that, please. Did eat before them. He's showing to him, showing them that he is very much alive. He's very much real. He said, touch me. Give me some meat, some fish to eat. Okay. And he ate it right before them. He said unto them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was wet, wet yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Okay, He opened their understanding. Those of you who have been with us for a while here through these messages, you may have heard me pray many times, Lord, open their eyes that they may see, open their ears that they may hear, but most importantly, open their hearts that they may understand. In order for us to understand the word of God, we need Holy Spirit revelation. So Jesus, through his ministering here, and, and he being God, obviously, he said, uh, verse 34, Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the scriptures. He said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, and you are witnesses, and you are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you, stay, tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Okay? So the veil was written to, Jesus, of course, was resurrected. Three days later, now he's showing up after the resurrection. He's telling them, I'm opening your eyes to something here. I'm opening your heart of understanding. What happened with me is the fulfillment of what was written. What was written before is now being fulfilled in me. But I want you to go into Jerusalem and stay, tarry a while until you'll be endued with power from on high. God's process here, restoring that dominion to man, is in the works here. He told him to go to Jerusalem, and God is going to give you some empower from high, on high. Amen? Amen? So we see a mighty, 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 mighty things at work. So then if we go to John 14, verse 23... John 14, verse, I'm sorry, 23. John 14, verse 23. We see here, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the father which sent me. In other words, I'm telling you what God the Father saying. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you. This is obviously before he was crucified. Being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, underline that please, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. All right. 
So the operative scripture there is verse number 26. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is called the Comforter, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. So he's promising here that the Holy Ghost was going to come to you. And this is all a part of God's plan. God's plan. God made the way to him by tearing the veil into that curtain, that curtain which separated man from God, tore that away, and now Jesus is saying, God the Father is going to give you a helper, going to give you someone to comfort you in times of challenge and trouble. We have Holy Spirit now, saints of God. We have Holy Spirit now. And he's there to comfort us. He's there to guide us. He's here to teach us. He's here to bring things back to our remembrance. This is why it's so important that I say to you all of the time to run and get your Bible and highlight and make markings in your Bible and so forth. You know, take take some notes because when the time comes, Holy Spirit will make you remember some of the things that you've read. He will bring back to your memory some of the scriptures that you've read, which is the word of God. So God has given us, uh, us help. He's, he's our helper to get us through this life, to get us through the things of our life that come our way to make us be or feel less than victorious. We have the ability to have and to use and to wield the power of that dominion that God's divine intention always was and still is for us to have, to take that dominion over aspects of our lives. But then, of course, it boils down to a whole thing of choice, too, as I said earlier. You've got to choose to wield the awesome power that God has given us through Jesus Christ, through the name of Jesus Christ, and the awesome Holy Spirit that resides in us as born-again believers. All right. God's divine intention has not changed, has not changed at all. And he's arming us, he's equipping us, and giving us what we need to get us through. And, you know, in, in, in summary there, if you go to um, uh, John uh, John 14 again, the 26th there, where it says, the comfort which is the Holy Ghost, and the Father said in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remember whatsoever I've said to you. He is there for that purpose. Holy Spirit, you know, guides us. He brings us through all that we need to, to go through. If you're not If you're not sure how to conquer your situation, how to get dominion over your situation, then pray in the name of Jesus and ask Holy Spirit to show you. He's there. He's there. He's there as your helper and your comforter. Comforter. Holy Spirit guided man that wrote these scriptures to record and to write the New Testament. We see that by in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. It was the Holy Spirit. Let's go there as a matter of fact. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Praise the living God. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Okay, the man, and I'm adding all women. Okay, this is really talking about mankind, Christians. Okay. Thoroughly furnished, truly furnished unto all good works. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. In other words, it's to your benefit. The scriptures that we are reading 
The scriptures that we are reading are there for your benefit. It's for reproof, for correction, and for instruction. But we have to use that scripture. We have to be willing to do what the scriptures are telling us to do. So for us today, the Holy Spirit enables us to understand and live out God's word as we follow Jesus. And he brings to our remembrance the word that was implanted in you. The word has been implanted in you. Let's go to James 1.21. James 1. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with weakness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Amen. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself and goes his way and right away forgets what manner of man he was or what he looked like. But whosoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed by his deed. This man shall be blessed by his deed. Okay. So again, as part of that restoration of his divine intention and the carrying out of God's divine intention and wanting us to have dominion, he's giving us the word of God and he's telling us that the word that you see written, it was inspired by Holy Ghost. So as you read it, bring that word into your spirit, swallow it, chew on it, just make it a part of your being, every fiber of your being, so that when things in this world, in this life come up against you and you're having difficulty, the Holy Spirit will bring, will bring back to your memory those words that you've read. And thereby, when you read the word, then be doer of that word, act it out. Just to hear the word and to read it is not good enough. You need to actually act it out by your actions in your life, the things that you do, the things that you say. How you manage your thought process. Okay. How you do not act on those things that you know, which would be counted to the word of God. This is all a part of God's divine intention for you to have dominion over your life. You don't have to just sit back and just wallow in pity. God promised that that Holy Spirit to us and he so did. We see that in Acts 2, you see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I won't go there for today's message. You know, that's when they were in the upper room and they were praying. The Holy Spirit came upon them, lit upon them as, as, as uh, the tongues of fire. and just lit upon them and they started speaking in other tongues. That was the birth of the church, actually. That's a sermon unto itself, too, I won't get it. That was the birth of the church in the body of Christ. The outpouring of that Holy Spirit. You have that same Holy Spirit. You have that same Holy Spirit. And God's divine intention is for you to have dominion over aspects of your life as things rise up. It is through salvation and faith in Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit that we can now be victorious in our lives today, thereby seeing God's divine intention carried out in our lives. God wants us to be victorious while we are here on earth, not just to be, have a good time and enjoy life when we're in heaven, but while we are here on this earth. So therefore, God's intention, divine intention, has not changed. It was and it still is God's will for us to be victorious and to be overcomers. 
If we fully understand God's plan and how it played out through Jesus Christ, we will indeed be victorious in our lives. We will indeed be victorious in our lives. Amen? Amen? Again, so in the great, great summary, remember God's divine intention from the creation, creating man. Man stumbled and sinned and the curse. God restored all of that for mankind through Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior as God's intention for man continues to play out. Okay? So you have some authority in your life given to you by God the Father, given to you through the, through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, given to you through the giving of Holy Spirit to guide you in all things that you do. Do not forget it. God's divine intention always was and always will be meant for you to have life and to enjoy this life also while we're here. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hope this message was a blessing to you. And if it was, please um, consider passing on the link to where these messages can be found. We can be reached at www.genesis1.sermon.net. You look at the top of the page, you'll see a, a subscribe button. Click on that subscribe button and you'll be notified automatically when these messages are available. Uh, we also are on YouTube, Genesis One Christian Ministries. And of course, we have our free apps for Android and Apple devices. Uh, they can be downloaded from their respective uh, play stores. Everything on these websites and through the app are free of charge. You know, you can download the video or just audio only if you prefer to. Download all of that free of charge. They're there simply so that we can, can, can spread the, the word of God uh, without cost without cost, okay? As God has given to us, we freely give to you. So so, so go there, and uh, also if you go to our website at uh, Genesis-1, Genesis-1, that's O-N-E dot org, you'll also see that um, we're, we're, we're having uh, live services uh, these days and Sunday morning worship services, and we're at, if you're in the in the area here, in the neighborhood here in Salem, Salem, Oregon, we're in the, uh, in the Candelaria area, we're at 2651 Commercial Street, Southeast, Salem, Oregon, and our worship service times are 1030, okay? So if you're in the neighborhood, again, stop by. You know, we'd love to have you come in, fellowship with us, and listen to the Word of God, and just enjoy ourselves as we worship and magnify His name. Amen? Amen. So stop on by if you have the opportunity. Praise God. Praise God. Why don't we go to prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we've had with you, Lord God, and we pray that as we go through the balance in the week ahead of us, that we shall remember these words. Remember what your divine intention is and was for us, O Lord God, in the name of Jesus. Let us remember that through you, through Christ Jesus, O Lord God, we can be victorious over the things in our lives if we remember to just follow your word and do what you've told us to do and to stay away from things that you've told us to stay away from, O Lord, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Heavenly Father, and we praise you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God, praise God. Go forth and, and be blessed. And remember always that Jesus is Lord. Here we are. Thank you, Lord. In your prayer.